Welcome, and let's uh, prepare our hearts and minds for worship using the words of the preparatory prayer. Almighty God, you pour out the spirit of grace and supplication on all who desire it. Deliver us from cold hearts and wandering thoughts, that with steady minds and burning zeal we may worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, peace be with you, my peace I give to you. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, to which indeed we were called in one body. The peace of Christ be with you. Most high God, you answer us when we call. You are with us when we are in trouble. You rescue us and you honor us. You show us your salvation and offer us a long life. We adore you. We worship you. Come, let us worship the Lord. Fame. It bewitches and bewilders so many. All we want is someone to remember who we were and what we did. No? But do we remember those who invested in us? Do we express gratitude to those who serve us? All too seldom, I'm afraid, this is why we pray, together saying, Lord Jesus Christ, we expect that you will do what we want, whatever we ask. We want places of honor and all the glory. We want to be great. We want to be first. But you, O Christ, are servant of all. Forgive our brazenness. Forgive our self-importance. Forgive us. Teach us to be humble. Teach us to be more like you. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Therefore, in Christ, we stand forgiven. Thanks be to God. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so, let us live. Our first lesson today is from Job chapter 38. And as we come to the reading of God's word, let us pray. Lift up your hearts. Let us lift them to the Lord. Almighty and everlasting God, in Christ you have revealed your glory among the nations. Preserve the works of your mercy that your church throughout the world may persevere with steadfast faith in the confession of your name. 
Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord from Job, chapter 38. In this passage, God answers Job's inquiry with some rhetorical questions of his own. Hear now the word of God. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds so that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightning so that you may go and say understanding to the mind? I'm sorry. So that you may go and say to you, here we are. Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? Who has the wisdom to number the clouds? Or who can tilt the water skins of the heavens when the dust runs into a mass and the clods cling together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion? Or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in their covert? Who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God and wander about for lack of food? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson comes to us from the Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 10. In this passage, Jesus explains kingdom servant leadership. Hear now the gospel of Jesus Christ. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us to sit at your right hand, one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, we are able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left hand is not mine to grant but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm wondering whether you would be more like James and John or the ten this morning. 
You see, James and John had figured out by this point that something was not right. Jesus had been talking to them and their travel together about what was going to happen when they got to Jerusalem. They knew that something was up. They were aware that something was about to happen or wind down, and they were very conscious of the fact that someone would have to take over if something happened to Jesus. James and John were brothers, uh, sons of Zebedee and brothers in work as fishermen and for some reason had figured out that succession of leadership is important to mission. And so they very honestly, very much with uh, openness and clarity said to Jesus, give us one thing that we ask, make us the leaders when you're gone. When, if something happens to you, make us your, your, your lieutenants, if you will. And Jesus explains to them that that is not his to give. Recognizing Jesus, recognizing himself under the authority of the Godhead. That it is not his decision to make that choice or that assignment. And then, of course, the ten become angry with James and John. This is, you see, the first congregational conflict (laughs) in the Bible. We have a circle of 12 guys, and two of them want to be the leaders, and the other 10, imagine, including Peter, are angry that James and John have stuck their neck out and made this request. So Jesus has to deal with it. And instead of sitting them down and talking about a succession plan, he sits them down and teaches them something about the kingdom of God. Something that is difficult for us to get and to grasp. He explains to them that among the Gentiles, those Romans out there, those Greeks, those Hellenists, all those people outside of the circle of us, Their leadership style is someone takes power and lords it over them. Someone becomes a tyrant because their power becomes unlimited, unchecked. But Jesus says, whoever wishes to become great among you has to assume the position of servant. Actually, he goes on to say, must be slave of all. Why? What does that mean? What does it mean for us to be the servant of others? Now, how many of you have ever seen a British drama or movie where there's servants running around to the aristocrat? You know what that is. They usually don't say anything. They're usually very prompt. They're usually very staid. You know, they they do their thing the way it's supposed to be done. Okay, they have their, the sense of security of being part of the system of the household, etc. But they don't rock the boat. They might gossip in the back room off the side of the kitchen when no one's around, but they don't rock the boat. They don't rock the system. And Jesus is talking here in terms of being slave or servant in the, perhaps the same way. I don't know. But you have been practicing Christianity now for at least, what, 
few days, few years, few decades. So I'm curious. Let's say I'm a new Christian. Let's say I'm recently converted. And I read this passage. Tell me, please, what it means to be a servant of others. How does that look? What does it involve? Giving up your right to be first? Okay. What else? Listening to other people's problems? Okay. Concerns for others over yourself? Reaching out to help others? Okay, good. To care for and love others? What else? Let me ask some some more difficult questions, perhaps. Does being a servant of other people mean that I have to be a a doormat? Does it mean that I have to let them abuse me? Does it mean that I can let people take advantage of me? That's not what Jesus is saying, is it? And we know that. So then, what does it mean when Jesus says that the reason why we have to be servants of all is because the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many? Now, I wonder whether we understand that phrase, ransom for many. Um, Ransom always brings, to my mind at least, a kidnap. Uh, it's usually someone kidnaps somebody and wants a ransom for, for the restoring of that individual to their family or to their, to their circumstances. But this word, ransom, is very, very interesting in the Greek. It has not only the economic idea of buying back something, but it also has the sense of um, taking over control of this, this thing that you're ransoming. So that to give his life a ransom for many is not only giving myself up, but then taking on responsibility for that which I have ransomed. Okay. So that if we'd understand servant leadership... It is not only an attitude of humility that calls us to serve each other, but also an attitude of responsibility. It also involves the idea that when we help people, we become responsible for them. When we choose to serve them, we take on responsibility for what happens to them. We care about them in an extended way. Servant leadership is not simply providing something for someone. It is not simply giving them whatever they need. It is, in fact, entering into a relationship with them. Now, I think that's really interesting to note this because of what happens, for instance, here in the food pantry. I'll give you an example. 
People come to the food pantry at the beginning of the year when there's usually some new interns from the social work school. And they have no idea. The clients, the customers have no idea who these people are. And so they come in and the interns are new. They have no idea really what this is all about yet. They know what the rules are. They know what some of the procedures and policies are. But what happens is that the clients begin to gravitate to the person that they like. And it's, they always gravitate to the person that tends to be more suitable to their personality, perhaps, or friendlier to them, or whatever. Sometimes it's a matter of how they look, what race they are, what language they speak. Um, but nonetheless, there's a gravity that happens that draws people to certain people. And those students or staff people who are working will come back, will, will find that when, as people come back, they will ask for them. Where is so-and-so? Now, you can imagine what happened this year after Jordan left, okay? Everybody wants to know what happened to the girl with purple hair, okay? And, and that became one of the key questions they heard over and over again. Interns had no idea who that was because they weren't around last year, so they had to find out. But that is part of what happens. The staff becomes servant to certain people because of who they like, who they feel comfortable with. And in many ways, the staff takes on a sense of responsibility for those people. Because they come to us, because they say, I want to see or I want to talk to or where he is so-and-so, that person then has a sense of wanting their client to get the best, to find the things that they really need. And we'll ask them, you know, is there anything else I can help you with? And we do have a file down there with all kinds of social services that we can refer people to if they come in and have a need. And And the social work students know that. The staff know that. But that's just one of the dynamics you see of what it means to understand servant leadership. And that is, it's not just a matter of providing for or serving the need, but also then becoming responsible for that other person, taking responsibility for making sure that their needs continue to be met, to have a relationship with them. And that is probably the most important piece of servant leadership. And that is that in the service of others, we build relationship to each other. We build a relationship of mutual respect, mutual accountability, mutual dependence. And it becomes a way then for the relationships to become deeper and nurturing of the life of both individuals. I don't think anyone who volunteers at the shelters or the food pantry can walk away from those ministries untouched by the reality of the people who come. It's amazing to me what happens when uh, street people will come in for the first time in the ministry of either one of the shelters or the food pantry, and the students experience that firsthand. It's an interesting uh, observation to watch what happens, how they respond. It's also equally uh, interesting to watch what happens when they walk into a worship service and how we respond, Um, or how we respond to them when they're standing in front of us in the line at the grocery store, perhaps. Jesus understood 
that servanthood was not becoming someone's doormat, was not becoming um, someone who allowed others to abuse or take advantage of, but rather to take conscientious responsibility for helping other people in their need and building a relationship with them. That, you see, is something that I think that we as a congregation have understood and taken seriously. I think that our work at the Welcome Home House has been that. Uh, we have a relationship with these guys. Uh, we meet with them on a weekly basis. Um, there's lots of things that we do in terms of our shelters, when you make the meals and come in and spend time getting to know the guests. All of that has to do with understanding servant leadership as more than simply just providing a need, but building relationship. I'll never forget one of the first conversations I had when we, when we started the fish shelter. And, and Helmut came to me after the first week that he was sat down and ate with some of these people and said to me, do you know that some of these people have master's degrees and they don't have a job? I mean, it was a revelation to him that someone might be professionally skilled and, and be out of work and be in a situation like this. And I thought, I said to him, yeah, as much a shock to me as it was to you. It's important, I think, for us to realize that the, the lives that we touch in our ministries here at Second are a relationship with the, not only the people who come, but their families and the community around us. The word has gotten out. The word has gotten out that the folks at Second Reform care about the needs of the community. And I think that you need to know that as a congregation. I think that you need to be encouraged by that. And I also think that we need to use it as an impetus for us to continue to see ourselves as servant leaders, looking at what are the needs of our community, how can we meet those needs, and how can we do that in a responsible way in building relationship to a larger community. Now, sometimes that's difficult. And sometimes it feels overwhelming. Okay? And that's exactly what Job was dealing with in the passage we read. Job has been complaining to God and saying, you know, I've been doing all these things. I've been trying to meet people's needs. I've been trying to be this righteous person, this just person doing what's, you know, all about justice and mercy. But I don't, I don't get a chance to, 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 you know, defend myself. I don't get a chance to tell, the, tell my side of the story. And God says to, Moses, or to Job, hey, let's have perspective on this. Were you around when I created the world? Were you around when I set the, the ways only to come in so far? Were you around when I uh, made the stars hang in the sky instead of falling down on top of you? Were you around when I created the seasons and the rains and the floods? Were you around? Were you involved in that process? Well, guess what? If you weren't, you've got no say in the matter. I'm God. You're not. Okay? I don't know how else to say that in simple English. And Job got the message. You see, as servants, we're accountable to a great God. A God who is in control. A God who is sovereign. A God who has set the universe and sustains the universe every moment of every minute of every life, of every country, of every world, of every galaxy. And that God 
calls us to be servants. That God calls us to be God's hands, God's ears, God's lives, touching others, building relationship, and creating a kingdom. A community of people who know God, who know each other, and who live in peace and justice and righteousness. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for calling us to be people of your kingdom. We thank you for the opportunity to know your grace and your love in our own lives and then be able to share it with others. We ask, Lord God, that you would continue to guide and direct us, equip us, encourage us, and enable us, O Lord, to be your servants, that we might be, in fact, your presence in this world, in this community, in our families, in our circle of influence, for the sake of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Question of faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. Confessing together, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. God has been good to us. God has given us in our great need a great abundance. And so we give as unto the Lord for the work of his church and the work of his kingdom, our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God all creatures here below. Praise God above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to offer thanks and praise. God of all mercies, we give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all people. Give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory now and forever. Amen. You will find in your bulletin um, several pieces of literature, one reminding you that today is the Crop Walk. Uh, we meet at Somerset Presbyterian Church at 1.30. Uh, if you need transportation out there, I'll be leaving here about 1 o'clock uh, from the parking lot over here on, the, on Stone Street, and you're welcome to come and hop a ride with me. Otherwise, uh, I believe the Somerset Presbyterian Church is right on um, um, Cedar, is it Cedar Grove Road? JFK Boulevard. Thank you. Thank you.
Um, and then there's also an insert about the October 27 meeting, uh, the RCA uh, summit meeting in Somerville. Um, all around the country, they're providing opportunities for folks to get together and talk about what the church needs to be looking at and doing in the future, uh, where we want to go as a denomination, both nationwide as well as worldwide. And um, there's some uh, uh, 15 to 20 different sites that are going to be held, and one of them in Somerville on the 27th. Uh, several of our consistory members and myself will be going. Uh, and if you're willing and able and want to go along as a layperson, please feel free to join us. Uh, we can probably work out carpooling that day if you like. Okay? Also in your bulletin is the stewardship, uh, monthly stewardship newsletter. And I'm just wanting to remind you that we're coming up on Stewardship Sunday, the beginning of November, on November 11, when we're also scheduled to have the, uh, the congregational conversation. Um, and so I want to remind you that uh, uh, we're looking at uh, making our annual pledges to the annual budget of the church coming up in November. Other announcements. Um, things I need to tell you about what's happened this past week. Um, earlier in the week, uh, we received a check for $1,000 from the Reformed Church in America uh, for the food pantry. Uh, it was a um, gift out of the uh, Reformed Church World Service Program, uh, uh, Pentecost Sunday. And uh, this past week, um, I was at a meeting of all the clergy in New, in New Brunswick, sponsored by the New Brunswick Tomorrow Organization. And uh, I had brought in the director of the Ozanam Men's Shelter, uh, I wanted her to come in and talk to the folks about uh, getting more congregations involved in the rotating shelter in the wintertime. And she made her presentation to the whole group. Um, after the, uh, during the conversation about her presentation, the mayor was there and, and asked whether there might be a possibility of his providing a permanent site for the winter shelter and simply have the congregations come to one site. And she, of course, said, you know, that would be great, but we, you know, we don't know how to do that or how, how we would do that. And he let the whole thing drop, and, you know, we basically assumed that that would be the end of it. On Friday night, um, I went to Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church uh, to receive a gift from the Diocese of Metuchen for the food pantry. And at that evening dinner, the mayor was there. He's a member of that congregation. And uh, came up to me, sat down next to me at the table, and I thought, oh, what did I do now? Um, and it says to me, Rev, we're going to do this. He says, tell me where you want a facility. Where's the best place to do this? I said, well, it's got to be on one of the free bus routes. He said, okay. How many people are we talking about? I said, as many as we can put into the facility. He said, well, how, what, are you talking 30? Are you talking 40? I said, you know, sure. Be great. Um, and then he says to me, uh, well, he said, we, you know, we've got some problems with it. If I make it a permanent site, we're going to have all, I have to bring it up to code. We're going to have to spend thousands of dollars bringing up one of these buildings to code. He says, what would happen if uh, I just leased the property for the four or five months that you do this to one of the 501c3s, and then we can not have to worry about the rules because you're exempt? And I said, how much are you talking about? He goes, can you afford a buck a month? I said, yeah, I'll give you five bucks out of my pocket right now if you want to write, this, write the lease. He goes, Rev, I got this. I'll get back to you. 
Maria Hunter, who is the woman I had brought to the presentation, was sitting on the other side of the table, and she came back to the table after getting some dessert, and she said, what did the mayor want? So I told her what happened, and she was like, I can't believe it. I've been trying to get him to do this for years. I don't know why. What is it with you? How do you get people to do this? And I have no idea, Maria. All I'm telling you is this is the way it's always been here. Ever since I got here, stuff just kind of falls in the, into my lap, and I don't know why. And she said, I do. And the other guy sitting across the table who happened to be from, I think, um, uh, one of the, from the Diocese of, of Trenton or something, Camden, Diocese of Camden, he says, that's a sign that God's with you. And I thought, I mean, I just really, it kind of grabbed me at that point. And I realized that really, I think that's what's been going on here. God has been with us. I mean, lots of things that we do here, congregations struggle to get going and get started. And who, who can explain why we've met with such great success and why we've been making a difference in the community? I just... There's something going on here that God is doing. And, and there's part of me that says that you and I sit around and observe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're involved, but stuff happens. And I want to encourage you with that. I want, to, want you to realize that, that um, it's not just someone pulling strings in the background. It's God. And I think that's a pretty, pretty important influence to have on your side uh, if we're going to have success in the future. So I encourage you with that. Okay? Any other announcements? There's uh, stuff in the bulletin that you need to be aware of, dates of significance. Um, oh, um, a big thing on November 3rd, a Saturday, all of the guys from Theta Chi are going to be out front, and they've, they've done some PR already. They're collecting winter coats to take over to Elijah's Promise. But they, they called me or texted me this week and asked whether we could come up with a couple big boxes uh, to put the coats in. So if any of you have, like, those big moving boxes or big, um, like, television boxes or anything like that stashed away in a garage or in the attic somewhere, uh, you know, whatever you can come up with, a big box, not just a, not just a, um, uh, uh, huh? Banana. A, a banana box. It has to be more than a banana box. You know, it has to be something a little bit bigger because those coats get really bulky. And what they're trying to do is stuff as many into a big box and take as few boxes as they can. So if you can come up with something like that, uh, just bring it over and drop it off here. We'll stash it uh, downstairs in the basement until, until the third, and then the guys can take them up and put them together and, and put the coats in. Yeah, Tom? You're yourself. How so? TVs don't cover big boxes anymore. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. They come in screens now with their... Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I am dating myself. What can I say? Uh, whatever comes in big boxes anymore, I don't know. <laughs> Refrigerators, maybe? I don't <laughs> Dishwashers, okay. Whatever you can. If you've got any, and I was thinking even the big moving boxes, you know, that I remember we used to have big moving boxes that you put the dishes and stuff in. If you've got maybe some of those flying around from when the last time you moved. Uh, anything, that, anything that can help them. They're going to try to recruit some from the, from the uh, grocery store at the end of... Um, at the end of Mine Street, uh, but I'm not sure how many they'll get, but, so they ask for our help. Okay, let's, uh, let's go to prayer and do our work of worship. Um, are there things that we need to be in prayer about today? Concerns, things that you are grateful for? Mark, yes. Lord God, we are grateful for the opportunity to be your people and to bring our hearts and our concerns, 
uh, and our desires for the service of others to you. Um, we are aware, Lord, that you are constantly praying for us, that that's part of your being at the right hand of the Father, and, and we are grateful for your intercession. We're grateful for the fact that we know every day, every moment of every day, our needs and desires and concerns and our pains and our griefs are all part of your knowledge uh, and your love for us, and that you're constantly bringing that uh, to, the, to the fore of the, of the Godhead. And we are grateful for that, for that action, for that uh, expression of love. And we ask, Lord God, as we have shared our heart's desires today, that you would hear and answer on behalf of those that we care about and have concern for. But we also pray today for uh, the preparations that might be going on at this point for um, the winter season and the shelters for the homeless in our area. Uh, we especially are aware, O oh Lord, of uh, families who are, who are struggling. Um, we are praying for those who are unemployed, those who um, are homeless and have children. Uh, we also want to pray today, Lord, for those who are in prison. Uh, who are being released from prison and have uh, no network. Uh, we ask, Lord God, that you would uh, help to provide for those folks as well. We pray for our church leadership, not only locally, but regionally and nationally and on a world level. We ask, Lord God, that you would grant wisdom to this whole process of discernment going on in the Reformed Church and that you would bring wisdom and uh, knowledge and conviction to all of us in terms of what you would have us be in this 21st century. We also pray, Lord God, for the various levels of our government. Uh, we're approaching the election, uh, a national election, and uh, we ask, Lord, that uh, the turnout would be great, uh, that folks would uh, take their, their uh, civil responsibilities seriously, and, and that, um, Lord, we as a, as a nation, as well as, as communities, as well as states, um, uh, taking our, our civil responsibilities seriously, and then find ways for us to live in peace and justice and mercy for all of our citizens. We thank you, Lord God, for the way you watch over and care for us, the way you have been blessing and guiding and directing us as a congregation. And we ask that you would continue to uh, give us wisdom, uh, to give us discernment, uh, to give us the resources, uh, and to enable us, O oh Lord, to be faithful. Uh, to what you have called us to be in our community. We raise all these things up to you because we know that our prayer is important to you. You taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and glory forever. Amen. Please now take the insert out and let us sing, Let There Be Peace on Earth.
May we leave here having experienced the peace of God in Christ. Take that peace into the world. And as we do so, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with us now until Christ returns in glory and then forever. And all of God's people said,